all the other good stuff too. So, all right. Well, um, get out your iPhones, get out your Bibles. We're going to be uh, we're going to be jumping around today. It's going to be a fun topic. And so uh, I'm at the fun stage of parenting. I mean, all the stages of parenting were fun, but this is a really fun stage because not only am I their father, but I'm also their friend. And so uh, I think it's the joy of every parent when your kids are old enough to not have to spend time with you, but they actually still want to. And so I, I, love, uh, I love playing pool. We got a pool table at our house. I love going shooting at the gun range. Yes, yes. It's the manliest thing that I do, I tell you what. It just feels good. I love the movies. I love dinners. I just hear them laugh. I just hear, like hearing them talk and just being with them. And uh, I, want, I want you to get that. That's just a little bit of picture about what a father-son relationship is like. That is, what, uh, that is what God wants with all of his kids, is that he created you so that you don't have to spend time with him, but if you want to, it's his delight. So the Trinity wasn't like lonely up there before, you know, before the creation of people. They weren't like, man, it's so boring up here. Let's get some people and so let's, let's laugh at them. You know, it wasn't like that. It was like, it's just like a parent's out of the overflow of their love, they create children they can have fellowship with, they can raise, they can do life with. And so the Trinity out of, their, uh, out of their love, they created people to have friendships with, to have relationships with. You guys know you were created for a relationship with God? He didn't create you to be worker bees. It wasn't like, man, this universe could use some policing. You know, we, the, the, look at that garden, man. I need someone to tend to. No, he, he did it. He wants a relationship with you. And so uh, we're, today we're going to be talking about encountering God by hearing his voice. And so if we could put up the first slide there. Uh, this year we're focusing on four pillars of Zion. Uh, Zion's a place where people encounter God, where you can belong and never stand alone, where you can get trained and equipped and commissioned to change the world. And so we're in the series on that first pillar on encountering God. And so any relationship's only going to be strong as this communication. So you see like in a marriage relationship, one of the biggest problems is communication. So whether it's like marriage, boss, employee, parent, child, God, demand, whatever it is, uh, we, we want to have that strong relationship with communication. And we've all known those people who said, God told me, and we know that God wasn't anywhere near the room when they heard what they heard, right? Like nobody wants to be flaky. And so, uh, especially in charismatic circles, I think there's, you know, we have, a, we, we want to go for it. We want to empower that. But sometimes there's those people where it's like, oh my goodness. I remember I was sitting in a service one time at a different church, wasn't this church? And uh, I'm sitting there, and this guy comes up to me, and he's sweating and he's shaking. And I'm like, "Oh man, what's going on?" He's like, "He's like, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you." And so uh, I'm like, "All right." So we go on, uh, we go out in the hallway, and we're talking there. And he said, "The Lord has given me a revelation of the two witnesses of the Book of Revelation." I thought, "Oh no." <laughs> and so uh, he said that he was one, he was the first one. And I thought, "Oh no, I know what's coming." And he said, "Jim, you're the second. I said, I said, listen, man, I really appreciate you. Like, you're going for it and just, you know, but the book of Revelation said that the witnesses were lampstands and chapter one, we found out lampstands was the church. So we kind of are since we're the church, but, you know, I was trying to like affirm them a little bit, but like no one wants to be that weirdo, right? So we're not talking about that. But here's the thing is um, there's no one that you respect in the Lord that doesn't hear from God, right? Hearing from God is what separates kind of the ordinary Christian from the people who are like really doing the stuff and, li and living the life that God created them to leave, live. So how does God speak to us? I want to just say this. He speaks to us constantly. Here's what it says in John 10. It says, my sheep hear my voice. The problem is we don't always recognize it. Or a lot of times we hear it and we think, oh, that was just me. Well, let me just remind you who just you is. Just you has been united to Christ. Just you has the mind of Christ. Your spirit and his spirit have been made one spirit. And so I jokingly say this, if you want to hear God's voice more, have some thoughts. Now, I'm not saying that every thought you have is from God. All right, I know not all mine are, but uh, let's begin to look at it. I think he's going to see that it's, he speaks to you more common than you think. 
So listen to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. I want to show you just kind of a weird one just to get us going in here. This is going to kind of set a theme here. You're like, Jim, you're setting the theme with the weird one? Yeah, it's going to be wild today, all right? <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11. The word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah the prophet speaking. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? He, I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. This is a super strange thing. I mean, if Jeremiah were to come to our church today and say, hey, guys, the Lord showed me an almond branch, no one's going to, uh, and it means that he's about to perform his word quickly. No one, you'd be like, what? Where, where, where did you, how did you get those two things? Like, those two things don't go together. It's like, hey, um, what do you see, Jim? I see a drum set, and that drum set means that I'm about to do a move of God on earth. You're like, how are you, how are you connecting those two things? I seen sometimes when God speaks, he speaks in the language of visions and dreams and metaphors. He doesn't speak necessarily logically all the time. God's first language is spirit. It's not English. It's not French. It's not, I, I'm trying to come up with some of the languages. The only two I can think of. It's not English or French. <laughs> or any of those other languages out there. God speaks spirit. And we've all heard it said that a picture is worth a thousand words, Right? And so that's the language of dreams and metaphors and visions and word pictures. And so we're part of a generation that's tried to absorb the gospel through our intellect. We've tried to just figure everything out with our head. And God wants to kind of push past that and go right into your imagination, to go right into your spirit and have you catch it here, and then your head plays catch up. How are we doing? So let me just give a warning before we get into some of these. So some of these are going to be uh, stretching for some. Some of these, you're like, yeah, I do this every day, okay? Let me just give you the warning. If you're not willing to take what you see in here, and submit it to another brother or sister who sees and hears, your life is going to end poorly. Okay, if you're the only one who can hear from God, and no one else can hear like you can hear, and you're not willing to just, you know, bring it with someone else, oh man, I've, I've just seen some people get weird real quick. Okay, I just thought of a couple of illustrations, and I'm not going to share. No, no, no. Oh my, uh, no, I'm not bringing that whole thing up. All right. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> it will take us in a direction I do not want to go, because once I start storytelling, I won't stop. All right, here we go. Let me give you this quote from Bill Johnson to get it back on track. <laughs> hunger enables perception. You're seldom going to find what you're not hungry for in the kingdom. That's a true statement. It's the hungry heart that hears best. Hunger means you'll take it any way it comes. You know, hungry people will, uh, will listen for things that satisfied people won't. I remember when we were first married, my wife and I, we had terrible furniture, cheap furniture, but we had furniture. We had a place to sit. You know, it was great. Yeah, come on, somebody. That's right. We had a place to sit. And so we had um, got this revelation that if we put stuff on our credit cards, we could get things that we couldn't afford yet. And so we, um, so we went and bought furniture that we couldn't afford. Are you ready? This is the honest truth. You wanted, the name of the place was Hank's Fine Furniture. So I'm not really sure it was fine. I don't know how they got it. It was Hank's Fine Furniture. It's so funny because um, the church we went to, the, the senior pastor, it was just like, the, it was a church of thousands, and um, we hadn't seen him in like 15 years. And we saw him 15 years later. He said, hey, whatever happened to that furniture from Hank's Fine Furniture? I'm like, how does he remember 15 years ago that we got this cheap stuff at Hank's Fine Furniture? I remember we donated it to the fire department, and they're like, we have never seen furniture go up in flames that quickly. I'm like, I don't even know what was going on with Hank's Fine Furniture. So we put the credit card, and we got the Hank's Fine Furniture, and so we're like, what are we going to do with our gently used furniture that we had, you know, the junk? And so um, 
I'm like, you know, I'm just going to say the guy's name. Kenny and Sabrina. They were, uh, they were a couple in, in seminary, and they had no furniture. They were literally sitting on the floor. They're like, they didn't even have a card table to eat on. They, they had a mattress on the floor, and that's it. There's nothing else there. And so um, I'm like, hey, Kenny, you know, we just, um, just, the Lord really blessed us with this furniture by putting it on our credit cards. And... Um, <laughs> And so, <laughs> and so we, uh, you know, we were wondering if you guys wanted our furniture since, you know, last time we went to your apartment, you didn't have any. And uh, he made this interesting statement. He said, um, you know, Sabrina is really um, picky about our decor. I'm going to have to run it by her. Like, oh, no, you would rather, like, like, like if the option between sitting on the floor, hungry people will take it any way they can. Okay. Listen, some of you are like, well, God speaks to me through dreams. Well, what if God stops speaking to you through dreams? Are you going to be hungry enough to listen for him a different way? God is like a radio station that's broadcasting 24-7. It's not up to him to figure out how you want to hear it. It's up to you to tune into the station that he's speaking. And hungry people will say, you know what? If I'm not hearing, I'm going to go on an all-out look. I'm going to put up my antenna. I'm going to see how he wants to speak it to me. How are we doing? All right, Mark chapter four, there's this parable where Jesus tells the parable of the seed and the sower. And so there's, this, there's a sower, he's, he's a farmer, and he's got this seed, and this seed represents the kingdom of God, the word of the kingdom. And he goes and he tosses out this seed, and it goes into four different kinds of soil and has different kinds of results. And it's said that the one that went on the good soil had a 30, 60, even 100-fold return, remember? Very fruitful soil. And so I remember thinking, like, wait, what's the difference between the 30, the 60, and the 100? I'm like, I, I want the 100-fold. Like, how many of you guys are like, I, I'm always, like, maximizing everything in my life. I'm like, how, how do I do this? Okay? And so, um, so I'm like, Lord, how, what's the difference between the 30, 60, and 100? I felt like the Lord said, keep reading. So, boy, here it is, the very next parable, um, Mark chapter 4, verse 21. And Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now here's the key, verse 24. And he said to him, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Are you ready for this? The value that you place on God speaking is the measure that you will hear. I'm going to say that again. It's kind of the message in one whole sentence here. But, uh, uh, the value that you place on God speaking is the measure you hear. Pay attention to how you hear. For the measure you will use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added. People who think they've already heard it all, it says even with that stuff you think you know, that's going to be taken away. Pay attention to how you listen. Uh, uh, Proverbs 25, 2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of man to search it out. God speaks in a language that requires hunger and thirst. There's very few times in your life where God's going to write everything out on the wall for you and you don't have to seek him. It's just like, boom, there it is. I, I know everything. Like, there's, there's very few times it's going to happen. So I remember um, my friend uh, Barry and Lydia. They're, just like, they're like the best parents. They're just awesome people. And they uh, adopted this little boy named Samuel. And Samuel, he didn't quite understand the hide-and-seek game. Right, And so here's how Samuel played the game. He would say, I'm hiding behind the couch. Come and get me. <laughs> right? So that's how it is with God. God's not like trying to hide from you. He's trying to hide for you. All right? And, but there's something about the seeking process that prepares you to become the person who can carry the weight of the answer. I'm not totally sure what I said. 
There's something about the seeking process of the keeping up your antenna, of looking for the answers, looking for the clues, listening in, humbling ourselves, saying, God, I don't have this whole thing figured out. I need your voice. I tell you what, that's probably one of my most common prayers that I've been praying lately. I feel like I kind of got into a season where I was just kind of going on autopilot and you know, using wise principles and like, hold on, principles without the prince is more like witchcraft than kingdom. I'm like, God, I don't know it all. I, I, like, I know how to do this. I'm not counting on the fact that I know how to do this. I'm counting on your voice. Right? God's saying, I'm over here. Come and find me. Are you in this stream? Are you in this vision? Are you in this still small voice? Are you speaking to me through this bumper sticker? He can speak any way he wants to. Have you ever been around those people that find spiritual meaning in everything? I'm married to one. I used to think it was super weird. I used to even kind of make fun of her a little bit. And it seemed like my, uh, my hearing from God dried up as I made fun of things I didn't understand. So I repented. And I started realizing people that were looking for God everywhere found him a whole lot more than I was sitting there with my arms crossed. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. It's time for us to act like royalty and begin to search out the things of God however he decides to give it to us. How many of you guys remember the theological TV show from the 60s, Batman? I'm talking about, was it Adam West and Burt Ward? No, 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 no. That's what I'm talking about. Same bat time, same, that's what I'm talking about. Well, they made a Batman movie. You guys remember the Batman movie? It was a fascinating movie. One of the opening scenes is Batman, is, he's investigating something in a helicopter, and he's on the ladder, he's going down there. And as he goes down there, this shark attaches itself to Batman's leg. And Batman's punching it. I mean, it's like the phoniest rubber-looking shark. It's hilarious. It's a so he's punching this shark, trying to get it off. And he calls up to Robin. <clears throat> and Robin goes, and he looks, and, they, uh, he, looks and he sees that there's um, uh, a manta ray repellent, barracuda repellent, and then there's shark repellent. Thank goodness they had the shark repellent. So, you know, Robin goes and kind of does this acrobatic thing. We're not sure who's flying the helicopter. And, like, you know, goes down and gives it to Batman. Batman sprays it. And just as he sprays it and it releases the leg, the shark explodes. And so the next scene uh, is with uh, Batman, Robin, Commissioner Gordon, and Chief O'Hara. And they're, they're reminiscing on this scenario. They're, they're looking at the clues. Okay? I'm about to give you a picture of every prophetic person in my life here. Okay? <laughs> looking at the clues. And they said, you know, this is a strange event. Um, you know, it seems kind of fishy. And, he said, and then uh, Commissioner Gordon says, fishy? The penguin! Which is one of Batman's, um, uh, one of Batman's uh, villains, right? And so it's like, hold on. How did it get from... It's fishy to the penguin. And the next one, Batman says, well, that fish was pulling my leg. The Joker! <laughs> and then, um, let's see, so then we had, uh, then uh, Commissioner, or Chief O'Hara says, it is, sure is a riddle, riddler. Could it be the Riddler? And then the best one was uh, Robin says, it happened at sea. Sea is for Catwoman. S-E-A, C is for Catwoman. Like, how did you get that? And then they conclude, um, what was it, something like, holy nightmare, that, um, uh, you know, that all, there was all four villains conspiring together against Batman. You guys remember this scene? I tell you what, if you've ever been around prophetic people, that's what it's like. This bird flew by, and I had this dream about this pizza from Birdie's Pizza. You know, I was like, What? I tell you what, when you're hungry, you begin to look for clues. And you begin to realize that God speaks in ways that don't necessarily fit our Western mindsets. We had a friend uh, named Reese Saunders that came and spoke here. And he said, not everything means something, but things mean more than you think. 
What's he saying? Pay attention to how you hear. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you, and even more will be added. So you're learning to hear God's voice. How does God speak? He speaks really differently. Like I said, God's first language is spirit. It's not English. So how does God speak? Any way he wants to. All right, Bobby Connor, a prophet friend of ours, he comes here uh, every year or every other year. He's just great. And he said he was helping this guy write this book on hearing God's voice. He was doing some research. And he said all of a sudden he had this really mystical experience. He said there was this golden curtain that came down. And he, so he turned around in his seat and he started preparing his heart. He's like, God, this is going to be really good. All of a sudden Jesus steps through the curtain and points in his face and says, tell him I can speak any way I want to. Goes to get back inside the curtain and swings around and says it in his face again. Tell him I can speak any way he wants to. How does God speak? Any way he wants to. Okay? And so what I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach some different ways that God speaks, but I don't want to put limits on it. Okay? So I'm not saying these are the only ways. And so are we we good? Okay. So we'll kind of just, we'll start off here um, with awareness of his presence. Okay? Awareness of his presence. And so... This is time where we just come in his presence, we're fellowshipping with him, but there's not any vocalizing of words. There's just been like an impression in our heart. We've been with him, we've fellowship, we've allowed the Lord to love us, we've been ministered to. I think that's just the most common way of just, just fellowshipping with God. What do you think the prayer life of Adam and Eve was like before sin? Ever think about that? There was no devil to rebuke. There was no international crises to pray for. There was no inflation to speak against. There was no sin to confess. What do you think their prayer life looked like without sin? It says they were walking with God in the cool of the day. I would just submit to you that what if 80 to 90% of your prayer life is supposed to be fellowship with God and not just begging? Okay, begging actually has no place because that's acting as a slave and orphan. I get that. So I was making a point there. But what, I tell you what, if you take away the confessing, the rebuking, the, the interceding for needs, most Christians, if you took away that, they would have no prayer life. That's all they got. But what if God is saying, listen, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to walk with you. How are we doing? So that's one level. It's kind of awareness of his presence. And so another way is the still small voice. Christians have, many Christians have learned the skill of the still small voice. And I'm going, to, I'm going to spend a whole session on that next time. How do you recognize the still small voice? We're going to talk about that. But um, sometimes people say, God has withdrawn his voice. He's just not speaking to me right now. Well, listen, guys, he's the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. He's got a lot to say. And again, what's probably happened is he's changed the channel or you're saying, oh, that's just me. Okay, so that still small voice is going to come to you. It's going to come out of the blue. It's going to be better than anything you could think of. We're going to spend a whole uh, session on that looking at that. So just keep, keep that one as a bookmark. <clears throat> Let's look at some more ways that God speaks to us. Oh, let me just say that oh, he speaks to us through the scriptures. Okay, the scriptures are the basis for all hearing from God. Okay, and so we actually did a whole series on uh, 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 how to read the Bible supernaturally and look at how God speaks to us. And so I'll just defer to that series. It's, it's, it's archived there. But I will say this. God's voice will never violate his word, but it might violate your interpretation of his word. So remember Peter, he's a good Jewish boy and uh, he has an open vision and there's a sheet coming down from heaven and it's got all these unclean animals and he hears God say, rise, kill, eat. And he's like, listen, I'm a good Jewish boy. I eat kosher. I'm not breaking the law. Okay, it violated his understanding of the law, and God was saying, listen, we're actually going to look at that story a little bit. But you see, him eating unclean foods violated his picture of the law, but God was giving him a different picture. So God's word will never violate, God's voice to you will never violate his word, but it may violate your interpretation of his word. I know, it's uncomfortable. Another way God speaks to us is through our desires. 
okay? Sanctified desires can actually reveal the will of God. Mark eleven twenty four, 24, the uh, scripture that people think Kenneth Hagin wrote, says, whatsoever things you desire when you, that was a joke. <laughs> he taught in that verse a lot, all right? Some, some of you are too young, you don't even know who that is. All right, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, now, this is not a license to pursue every desire, but there's actually something that happens when you're praying and you're in the presence of God, your desires are actually shaped by him. So your desires can actually begin to lead and guide you when they're submitted to the Lord, okay? So in, the, so, uh, in prayer time, have a paper and a pencil. So a lot of times what happens when I'm praying, my mind gets wandering. I say, oh, I rebuked that thought. I'm just trying to get it back, focus on God. And I'm realizing that sometimes God is actually speaking to me He's changing my desires, and if I write those things down, he's actually giving me instruction for the week. Okay, so one of the ways God can speak to you is through your desires. Another way is through visions, okay? Um, Sometimes this can be like a vision in your mind's eye where you just see it, or sometimes it can be like a screen. Your eyes are open and you see it like a screen. So we started referring to Acts chapter 10 where uh, Peter had something like a movie screen that came down, and he had this sheet that said there was four corners, and it came down, it was filled with unclean animals, and, uh, you know, like, and God said, you know, rise, kill, and eat. I'm, and uh, Peter's like, I'm a good Jewish boy. It happened three times, and then he came across three men. It was interesting that there was a, that, to Peter, that was the coincidence. I got this vision three times, and here's these three men. I better listen to them. And they said, hey, someone wants you to come preach to the Gentiles. And then he interpreted it from that, oh, these unclean animals mean God wants me to speak to the Gentiles. You see the language of metaphor. There was the coincidence of the threes, and then there was the unclean animals that he was now going to rise, kill, and eat, partake of, and now he could go in fellowship. I remember, um, so I don't have a lot of open visions. I don't want to, I, I, man, those people who do, I, man, I, I must be nice. I'm not one of those guys. But I remember one time I did, I, I think I've told this story a few times, but um, our, before the children's ministry took over the whole building, our, uh, we used to have offices back there. It was awesome. And so, uh, I, so I was working in my office, and I drink a lot of water, so I'm going down into the hallway, and all the lights were off in the hallway. And so I'm walking down there. And when I got to the bathroom door, um, I had this weird thing happen. It was like I was in this visionary experience. And so my eyes are open. But now in the visionary experience, I'm taken to the beginning of the hallway. And it's still dark. And then these hands come and put these golden glasses on me. I know that happened in Mormonism, but I'm not going there. These golden glasses come on me. And now I'm able to see everything clearly in the hallway. And so I walk down the hallway. And when I, in the vision where I got to where I was standing, it stopped. And uh, me being the spiritual giant that I am, I said, hmm, that was weird. Just totally missed it. Had an open vision and didn't even realize I had an open vision. You would think if you had an open vision, it'd be like super obvious. Apparently not. And so um, I go to the bathroom. A couple hours later, drinking more water. And uh, here, here I am again, walking down the hallway. In the natural, the hallway's dark. I get to the end of the hallway. Um, boom, visionary experience. I'm in the beginning of the hallway. Golden glasses, can see everything clearly. And so finally, I'm like, oh, I think it just had something spiritual happen. I'm like, Lord, what does that mean? So at this time, I'm super nervous about leading the church. It was like my first or second week. And the Lord said, Jim, as long as you follow me and ask me, I'll show you everything clearly to be able to lead. I was like, oh, man, that, that sounds great. Those are, those are visionary experiences. Another way God speaks is through dreams. How many of you are dreamers in here? I think it's awesome that Rachel is going after dreams this morning, Okay. So um, I have dreams every once in a while. My wife um, has what I call saga dreams. And so like, like she'll be like, do you have a dream? I'm like, well, yeah. And I can literally tell the whole dream in 10 seconds. I'm like, yeah, this happened and this happened. She's like, that's it? I'm like, oh, no, shame me. I don't know. It's all, it's all happened. And so she's like, do you want to hear mine? Which is always a loaded question. 
I'm like, do you want to hear mine? Means like, what are you doing for the next 20 minutes? Like literally, it's like Lord of the Rings extended version. Just when I think it's over, it's like, oh, and then, you know, it's like, my gosh, how do you remember all this stuff, right? Saga dreams. And so um, it's interesting. In the Bible, people didn't have a dream and go, oh, I must have eaten some bad matzo balls, you know, and I must have eaten something weird to have that dream. Oh, they actually, um, kings searched out people who had the ability to interpret dreams. Like, they took them serious, but in our culture, somehow they've kind of gotten downplayed. Oh, you just must have eaten some pizza, right? And so um, some, dream, some dreams are literal, and they show you what to do and give you clear direction. So remember, uh, the G- Joseph, the father of Jesus, he has a dream, and in the dream, he is warned clearly, go and flee, uh, flee to Egypt because King Herod's trying to kill Jesus, right? Just straight instructions before. I remember, um, uh, so a lot of the dreams I have are um, they're more like metaphors, and, you know, weird stuff in them. And I remember I had one, it just, I'm like, is this a metaphor? This seems really, really strange. So in the dream, I had a, um, there was a lady and she was in a wheelchair and she was in there because she had MS and I knew her name and uh, she was African-American. <clears throat> I knew about her age. I knew her first and last name and her condition. And I was like, man, that just seems kind of specific to be a metaphor. And so just whenever I started speaking to places, I was like, hey, is there anybody here with this name or know anybody with this name? And so um, at one time I was speaking, and they were like, yeah. And I said, um, is she African-American? Yeah. Does she have white hair? Yeah. Is she about this age? Yes. Is she in a wheelchair because of MS? Yes. I was like, get her to the church. So, like, sometimes they're just specific things. They're just, they're just right there. But a lot of times dreams are like parables at night. Like parables have, like, that metaphorical language that needs to be interpreted. And so... Um, so remember uh, Joseph in the Old Testament, different Joseph than the father of Jesus, Joseph in the Old Testament, he has a dream about 11 bundles of grain that come down and bow down to his bundle of grain, right? And, uh, <laughs> and, he, and so he tells it to his brothers, and they all got the interpretation. Oh, you're saying that we're, he had, he had 11 brothers. He's like, oh, you're saying that we're all going to come down and bow down and worship you, Joseph? And um, yeah. And so then he has another dream. The sun and the moon and 11 stars come down and bow before him. And so the interpretation was his mom, his dad, and his 11 brothers were gonna come down. Of course, that was foretelling what would happen as he rescued all of Egypt and all that stuff. When you get symbolic dream, when you get symbolic dreams or metaphors in a dream, I want you to understand there's three parts to it, okay? You get the revelation. There's these, um, you know, there's these 11 stars or these 11 bundles of grain. That's the revelation. There's the interpretation. Oh, the revelation was that there's 11 bundles of grain that came and bowed down. There's the interpretation is there's going to be a time where my brothers are going to come down and bow down before me. And there's the application. Okay. Hold on. What happened to all the slides? Where are we at? So, um, we're good. All right. There we are. All right. So, uh, guys, whenever you, whenever you get a picture like that, whether it's a dream, whether it's uh, sometimes it'll be a picture in your mind's eye. Um, there's the revelation. There's the actual picture of it the interpretation, and the application. Here's the key. You need the Holy Spirit for all three parts. A lot of people are like, oh, here's the revelation. Let me get out my dream book and see what stars mean. Let's see what trees mean. Well, you need, that can be helpful to see maybe what they meant in the Bible. But even in the Bible, sometimes those same metaphors meant different things. So you need the Holy Spirit to tell you what it means in your situation. So let's do a little practice here. And so we can get the picture of the bridge. Okay, so let's say you get this as the revelation. This is a bridge that's catching on fire, okay? So that's the revelation, okay? 
So um, the interpretation could be, you need to burn bridges with your past. God has freed you. Or the interpretation could be warning, you're burning bridges in your relationship. Stop it. Or it could be, you're a bridge builder and the fire of God is on you to continue to do so. Which one is it? You need the Holy Spirit or maybe a fourth one, okay? And then there's the application. How are you actually going to begin to walk those things out? Are we good? How many of you are getting words from the Lord right now with that picture? I see some, you're like, yes, this is exactly what I, I knew it, Clinton. I knew you were on it. All right. So when you come to these pictures and these symbols, there's the revelation, the interpretation, and the application. So we had a, um, a, a prophet that we knew um, told a 12-year-old boy, um, he had a revelation. He had, he, I think he missed it on the interpretation and the application. Here, so here's what he says to the, to the teenage boy. Your teenage years are going to be hell. That's what he tells the kid. And it ruined him for six years. He was suicidal, fearful. He kept expecting bad things to happen. Okay? What if instead, guys, when God tells you something, it's never going to leave you without hope. Okay, if, if the words you're giving someone are without hope, then you either missed it on the revelation, interpretation, or application, or you heard it from the wrong voice. That's more like the accuser of the brethren than it is the lifter of my head, okay? So what if the, what if the better application was to, uh, to tell him, I see that you're being prepared for greatness. You're going to have tests in your teenage years, but it's going to fully prepare you to win. And when you come through, you'll be a mighty warrior. Uh, that's a whole different interpretation of those events. That's a whole different application. And it seems to be more one. So thank goodness we're able to work with this young man and break some stuff off of him and he's free now. But for six years, he was in torment because of a stupid word. Okay, how are we doing? So dreams. Um, who in here wants to have more dreams? Okay, here's how you do that. Is you steward the ones that you're having. What does it look like to steward? It means to write them down. It means to pray about them. If you're married, if you've got kids, if you've got friends, talk about your dreams. So one of the ways that our, our, our family often gets up is usually led by Mary, is hey, did anyone have dreams? And they'll talk about dreams. And I tell you, this can be a real uh, fun thing for husbands and wives to begin to interpret dreams together, kids and, and friends. And so if you're not having dreams, then just simply repent. God, um, like, I'm sorry for not stewarding the ones you're giving me, but if you'll give me some fresh ones, I want another chance. Like, like, I, like God's, he wants to speak to you through all these different ways. So just repent. You don't have to grovel. Just God, man, I, okay, I haven't been stewarding these things, but I'm ready to speak to me for your servant is listening. Dreams, be good? Another way, are we okay on this? How many of you, uh, how many of you guys have had visions? Anyone have visions? I'm just gonna kind of go through this. How many of you had God speak to you through the scriptures? Yeah. Still small voice. <clears throat> one of my sermons. No, we're not going to do that one. So yeah, sorry. I don't know if I can handle the, the answers on some of that one there. All right. Look at the next one. Spiritual eyes or your imagination. Okay. Uh, the new age does not have license on the imagination. Okay. Your sanctified imagination is the canvas that God can begin to paint on. Okay. So this isn't like, oh, I'm just going to go to some weird places. Don't worry about the weird places. Just submit your mind to God and he'll begin to paint things on there. When you were born again, your spirit man was dead. And now that part of you that was dead to God now is now able to relate to God. You're alive spiritually to God. And so when that happened, you have a whole new spiritual set of faculties. You have new, um, new spiritual sight, new spiritual ears, spiritual taste buds, spiritual, you taste and see that the Lord is good, spiritual stomach. You can actually hunger for the things of God. Right? And so, um, so let's talk about this new faculty of sight, the spiritual eyes, your imagination. Uh, Ephesians 1.17. 
Uh, Paul prays this prayer, that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know, right? You have eyes in your heart. What are these eyes? They're able to perceive spiritual truth, okay? And so in Acts 26, 18, Paul's commission was to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light. Uh, John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. It's saying the world does not have this spiritual sight, but you as children of God have this spiritual sight. So I'm going I'm to show you how it comes to you. So I want you to uh, close your eyes for a moment and take out your wallets. I'm teasing. It's terrible. I'm like that. Okay, close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to picture your va- favorite vacation spot. Can you see it in your mind? All right, now open your eyes. No, some of you aren't coming back to me. Come back to me here. We're still here, all right? So um, I want you to notice how you were able to have a picture in, in, in your mind. I want you to keep your eyes open, and I want you to still picture it. Can you guys still see it in your mind's eye? Okay, when God speaks to you in your mind's eye, in your imagination, in your spiritual eyes, you're going to get a picture in your mind that you're not necessarily seeing with your physical eyes. That's a vision. But you're seeing it in your mind's eye. It's kind of an internal vision. You guys see how that happens? So I remember one time, uh, I'm going to share an extreme example. I was praying for someone one time, and uh, I felt like the, she had a um, shoulder problem. We're at a restaurant, and, uh, and in my mind's eye, I saw myself reaching around her shoulders and drawing three stripes on her shoulders. And so I found that the quicker that I uh, uh, act on those things, the more power is released. And so I just, hey, can I try something different? She's like, sure. So I reached around her shoulder, went one, two, three. And uh, I said, check it out. And she's like, is that it? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. So she raises her hand and uh, she begins crying. I said, what's going on? She said, 25 years ago, I had a horse accident. I was thrown off the horse and I shattered my shoulder so bad that they had to remove three muscles. She said, I physically don't have the muscles to be able to raise my hand. I'm thinking, man, I'm so glad I didn't know that. I wouldn't have the faith to pray for that. <laughs> but what happens? The language of the spirit gets past our intellect. And it was able to act on those things. Mind's eye. How are we doing? Um, spiritual ears. Let's call it your intuition. Okay? Intuition. Spiritual ears. I'm going I'm to differentiate human intuition from spiritual intuition here in just a moment. John 8, 43. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. He, he who is of God hears the words of God. Okay? He says you can hear the sound on your ears. They're vibrating on your eardrums. But you're not hearing with your spiritual ears. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Um, Revelation 2, 7, 11, and 17. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So these spiritual uh, hearing, these spiritual ears, there's an intuition to know immediately without getting there by reason or process. Right? And so um, like, uh, like reason says one, two, three, four, what's next? Five. Right? And so um, intuition or the spiritual just goes five. And you're like, well, how did you get there? I don't know. It just came to me out of the blue. You see how that works? It's just, you, there's an idea that comes, Phineas and Ferb. I know what I'm going to do today. Like suddenly they're just hit with this revelation. No one in here, I, I know some of you are watching that show. <laughs> Nehemiah 7, 5. So God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. It wasn't an audible voice that Nehemiah heard, but there was a spiritual influence on his heart where he knew what he was supposed to do to lead the people of Israel. <clears throat> so when, um, uh, when God speaks to you, it's going to have a freshness to it. It's going to be better than anything you could have thought up yourself. And uh, if God's given you an idea, it's probably going to be impossible for you to accomplish in your, own, uh, in your own strength, right? 
uh, his thoughts, his ways uh, have a way of just like overwhelming us and causing us to be completely dependent upon him. Okay, so let's look at the, um, uh, the, the, how, how, these, how these spiritual things come to us. So sometimes they'll come to us in those pictures, but uh, sometimes they'll come to us like this. And so I've done this exercise with you guys a bunch, but we've got new people here. I love new people because you haven't heard my stories yet. So I'm just welcome. I'm so glad you're here. So close your eyes again. And when I count to three, I want you to say your first, middle, and last name in your mind, not out loud. Ready? One, two, three. All right, open your eyes. So do you, I want you, do you notice how that voice sounded to you? It sounded like your voice. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's going to sound like your voice. Because your spirit and his spirit are one spirit. If you're waiting for some James Earl Jones shaky, oh, I am your father. Like you're waiting for some different voice of King James and you're going to be waiting a long time. Because when he speaks to you, it's going to sound like your spirit. How are we doing? That's why it's so easy to brush off because it sounds like our thoughts. Oh, this is good for somebody, I'll tell you what. Mark 2.8, Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking. How did he know that? There was a sudden knowing. There was an intuition that came to him from the Holy Spirit. Luke 5.22, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Here's some good news. You and I hear from God the exact same way that Jesus heard from God. Through our imagination, through our intuitions. Some of you don't believe me. I just showed you. That's how we heard from God. How do I know he spoke through his imagination? He said, I only do what I see the Father do. And he spoke uh, in parables. The kingdom of God is like a treasure in a field. It's like uh, this farmer who goes out sowing. What did he do? He saw word pictures, interpreted them, and taught them. The same way you and I hear. He didn't have some bat phone with a hotline to God. Anything more special than what you and I have. You and I can hear the same way. I appreciate that amen over there. Thank you, Tori. I appreciate it. It gets a little lonely up here sometimes. Okay. <clears throat> Another way God speaks is through coincidence. <clears throat> I like how Bill Johnson says, coincidence is the language of the spirit. Sometimes things just are, it's just too much to not be God. Have you ever had something you're like, this is too weird to not be God. I'm not sure what it means, but this is probably God. So I remember back in like 2000, I think it was seven or eight, whenever there was the Lakeland Revival, I think, <clears throat> I think it was 2008. And so my family were, um, well, at that time, we were, as they say in Latin, Maximus Brocus. Okay. So how many of you know you can be broke and not be poor? Broke is a temporary financial condition. Poverty is a lens that only sees meager possibilities. Okay. So prosperity always starts with who you have, not what you have. So we were, we were broke, but not poor. So we're broke. And so we're watching the Lakeland revival on our, uh, on our laptop. I hope you guys were doing that too. And uh, we wanted to go down there super bad. And so Mary's like, well, let's figure out how much it would cost. And so we figured it was about $1,200 if we drove down there, which we later found out like that 20-hour drive uh, from Michigan to Florida with three kids was the equivalent of 40 years in the desert. I mean, you, know, you do the conversion with the, the maps in the back of the Bible there. And so it was about $1,200, and we didn't have it. And so, the, um, and so Mary's like, well, let's just pray and see what God does. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so, yeah. That's basically what I was, but thank God I'm married to Mary. And so, um, so that's Sunday, and we, would, uh, we, wanted to leave, we would have had to leave on Wednesday night to get there. for They were doing this special impartation meeting. They were going to pray for everybody in the stadium, lay hands on them. So I'm like, I want that. And so uh, Wednesday morning, I go out to the mailbox, <laughs> and I open up, and there's a check in the mail. I said, hey, Mary, here's a weird thing. We got a check in the mail. How much is it for? She said, $1,200. And she starts crying, and I'm like, why are you crying? I literally did not connect the dots. 
I, like literally, I just had, I had no faith for it. I just wrote it off. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so um, it was, but it was a coincidence. And we knew that God was saying, go there. And it was actually, it was a powerful time. And remember the, the kids got there and uh, it was just fun seeing the kids get slain in the spirit. They were just like little and it was super fun. And so we had a real powerful time with the Lord. How many of you, um, you, you see like the same numbers on a clock at times, right? Yeah, for you, like, you know, uh, <laughs> a digital clock is not a way to tell time. It's a portal from heaven speaking to you, <laughs> right? But sometimes there's these coincidences, right? And so I remember, uh, you know, like my wife's always seen like 1111. She's like, what does it mean? I'm like, I don't know. You got to ask God. And so I kept seeing 1038. I'm like, what the heck is 1038? I'd hang up a phone call. It was 10 minutes and 38 seconds. You know, I check into a hotel room. It was like room 1038. You know, I look at the clock. It'd be 1038. And so I'm watching um, the best of the three Batmans. Uh, the one with Bane in it was a Dark Knight Rises. Oh, so powerful. If you remember, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, the bad guys are driving around with the bomb that's going to blow up Gotham City. Remember this? They're driving around. And in one scene, uh, this is like I'm going through this 1038 time, right? And so there's a scene where they show the bomb and it's counting down. And the scene, it, didn't, it stopped at 10 minutes and 38 seconds. I wanted to come out of my scene. I'm like, God is speaking to me through Batman. <laughs> He's speaking to me. So I'm like, God, there's this coincidence. I keep seeing 1038. Like, what's happening here? And... Um, and I, and I found out God was giving me my life first, Acts 10, 38. How Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It came through coincidence. I remember I kept seeing, I, I love cars, and I kept seeing Oldsmobile Aleros, which I don't love. If you have one, I'm not trying to be mean. It's just, it's not like no one's, sorry, no one's excited about an Oldsmobile Alero. It's a great car, but no one's like, hey, I just got an Oldsmobile Alero. Wow, I'm so jealous. Okay, sorry. And so I'm like, Oldsmobile's not even a company anymore. This is just like two years ago. I'm driving around. I'm seeing Oldsmobile Aleros all the time. I'm like, what is going on with this? And um, so finally I realized, hold on, this can't be a coincidence. Like I'm seeing Oldsmobile Aleros. Like I don't care about them. And so um, I went and looked up the meaning of Alero. It's a Nigerian name that means grace of the land and good things to come. I'm like, man. God is trying to encourage me. I remember one time I was just kind of praying in the spirit in the car. I was sitting on a stoplight and just enjoying the Lord. All of a sudden, I felt the presence of God just rush into the car. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on? I look next to me, Oldsmobile Alero. I'm like, the grace of God and good things to come. Sometimes God speaks through unusual circumstances. Remember the burning bush, the Old Testament. Are Are we going too fast? Burning, unusual circumstances. All right, it'll come up there. Unusual circumstances. Hope you've taken some of these notes, or we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get them to you here. So unusual circumstances. So here's Moses. He's going through the desert, and so there was this bush that was burning, which probably wasn't super unusual for a desert, but what's unusual about this one is the bush was burning, and it wasn't being consumed. So Moses turned aside, and then God speaks to him. So unusual circumstances. Um, a lot of people, uh, God is trying to speak to them through an unusual circumstance, but they don't take the time to turn aside and see what he's actually saying. That'll preach if you're not careful. Nature. Sometimes God speaks to us through nature. <clears throat> Romans 1.20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything, <clears throat> through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. This is saying that God can actually speak to you through nature. Psalm 19.1-4. through 4. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. 
sometimes in nature, some occurrences are just too weird not to be prophetic, right? So I'm not going to tell the whole version of the story, but um, my wife and I, we finally had enough money to pay for a vacation that wasn't on credit cards. It was major breakthrough, okay? So this is years ago. And so we saved up. We had prepaid for this vacation, and we had a family tragedy happen. There was a funeral, and we weren't able to go. And so we had to kind of stay and, like, comfort the family. And we're realizing, like, we need to do a vacation. And uh, we're, like, we're going to have to do it on the cheap. And so we went to this um, place in Florida. I'm just going to refer to it as the Redneck Riviera. It was horrible. It was, it was a terrible hotel. It was horrible. The people, I'm just going to say it, they had zero class at this hotel. People were eating chicken in the pool. <laughs> not, not at the pool, standing in the pool, eating chicken legs, drinking Kool-Aid. So I'm, and so I'm, I'm already like, because of the family tragedy, I'm already kind of discouraged and down and and I'm just started part. I'm starting snapping at the family. I'm getting angry at the family. And you know, there was like the, the you know, I gotten sunburnt beyond recognition because I have no melanin. <laughs> so we went to this thing called Shell Island, which I called Hell Island. And I thought I was putting on like sunscreen on my neck, but I was putting on like the aftercare stuff, which is like a sun accelerant. And so by the time we're walking off of Hell Island, I've got blisters all over my neck. And so I'm just, so I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the room. I'm snapping at everybody. And the shower was basically like trying to take a shower in a squirt gun. It had, like, it had like no water pressure. And then when they would flush the toilet, it would burn you. And so I, I'm trying to shower and I got to like run around in the shower because there's like nothing in there. So I'm in, there, so I'm in the room. I'm angry. And he's like, let's just go down to the pool. So I'm, you know, I'm down at the pool. I'm up to my neck in the water, like trying to avoid the shade, you know, trying to avoid the sun. And the people are eating chicken. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. These people are ridiculous. And so... Um, Oh, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And so, uh, oh, and then I had promised the kids that we'd go to the water park, but I'm sunburnt beyond recognition. And uh, so Mary's like, well, let's just cover up your body and da 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 And so I'm like, fine. And so we come up with this plan. <laughs> so I put on a polo shirt and I button it up to the top and I put the collar up to protect my neck. And then Mary, <laughs> Mary had this sun hat. And, uh, oh, yeah. She had this sun hat, and she's like, oh, and so here's what happens. I don't get angry very often. I don't, I don't get upset. I don't get stressed. But when I do, Mary thinks it's funny. <laughs> and so, like, the angrier and crabber I am, the harder she laughs. The harder she laughs, the angrier and crabbier I get. So we're in this cycle right now. And so I'm standing there with the collar up. You know, I'm burned. I'm purple. And, uh, and so I put on this giant sun hat, and Mary says, um, well, just pretend that you're the owner of a yacht, and you're eccentric. And so she's doubled over laughing. I don't think it's funny. So we go there, and so I've got on my swim trunks, and I had these socks on up to my knees with this polo with this thing, with the sun hat, and, uh, and Mary's sunglasses, which like, like had like the bug eyes. I lost my sunglasses. So I look ridiculous. Look ridiculous at this thing. So, oh, like people were like, like, yeah, it was like the Baywatch. They're like all gorgeous, and I'm like walking by, like, oh, my word, this is embarrassing. And I, had, and I went down this, you know, the big slide thing, and apparently you're not supposed to wear shirts like that. The thing got so waterlogged and like acted like a parachute, I literally got stuck halfway down the slide and had to like use my feet to get down. So I am like angry at everything. You know, like the family thinks it's funny. I don't think it's funny. So I'm in a, I'm in a dark place. I'm in a dark place. So we're driving home. I'm just snapping everyone. And as we're driving on the freeway, this dove comes and flies. You know, we're 55 miles an hour. I don't think doves can fly that fast. Maybe they can. I don't know. 
We probably weren't going 55 because I was angry. And so um, whatever speed we were going, I'm sure it was a speed limit. And so for those of you listening, and so uh, this dove comes and flies next to our uh, car. And I'm like, what's going on? And all of a sudden it flies in front of our uh, windshield and it does like the dove thing. You know, like, you know, like all the pictures, the doves are like, "Ah," you know, as you can tell it's a dove. It's like flashed us like, I'm a dove. And then it kept going. And so Mary's like, did you see that? I'm like, yes. It's like, that was a dove. I'm like, I know, I saw it, it did the dove thing. And um, it's like, what do you think it means? I'm like, oh my gosh. She's gonna try to find meaning in the dove thing. And she's like, well, let's, let's she's like, kids, ask the Holy Spirit what it means. And so I'm driving. And one of the kids says, um, they're, they're asking the Holy Spirit and it says, um, it was God showing us that he's with us and he still loves us. And as soon as they spoke that, something lifted off of me. I had an encounter from that thing, and I was like, I was like, oh my goodness, guys, daddy is so sorry. I've been so crabby. I've been snapping at you. And it was like, I came back to my senses. But it was through that, I had an encounter. God can speak through nature. How are we doing? Almost done. Your physical senses, Hebrews 5:14. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Your see, taste, hear, smell, and feel can actually be trained to discern what God is doing in a room. I remember we were doing a prophetic um, um, activation, or we were doing like a prophetic training. And um, and so so one of the activations was try to hear God in a way that you don't normally hear him. And so uh, like maybe if you normally hear him, uh, ask for the sense of smell. I'm like, oh, this is weird. And so they were doing it. And so one of the um, uh, person, they were were kind of partnered up. And the person said, I smell oranges. And... um, and, uh, and the person's like, and the other person started crying. They said, what's going on? And they said, uh, when I was driving to church this morning, I said, God, if this is the church for me, have somebody talk to me about oranges. <laughs> All right. Your body can actually have words of knowledge. A lot of times when you walk into a store or walk into someone's house and you weren't angry or before, but you kind of get that anger on you, what are you are doing? You're picking up what's going on in the atmosphere. When God shows you that, he's not doing that to give you a peek into people's mess. He's giving it so you can move in the opposite spirit and bring the kingdom into that situation. If you ever walked into, um, like, so Mary, she like doesn't like going to the mall because she picks stuff up. I'm fine. I could be like in the gates of hell. I'm like, this is nothing. Like, I'm feeling nothing, you know? And so, but yeah, so, so people who are real feelers, sometimes they don't like going to that because they pick up all that stuff. But you got to learn how to not carry it. All right, I'll skip down. Um, so, so here's what this means for you is so learn to recognize how your body reacts to the presence of God when you're when in a room. So when God's really moving like during worship or in a room, see how, see how it affects your body. So when pilots are trained, uh, they're trained to what it lo- how their body responds to being deprived of oxygen. In case they're ever in a plane and the oxygen isn't coming, they'll know before it's too late that, that the oxygen isn't working. So some of them, you know, they begin to feel a tingling in their legs. They begin to feeling lightheaded. So they need to understand how their body responds to oxygen deprivation. You need to learn how your body responds to the presence of God. How do you feel so you can recognize it when you're in that environment and recognize, oh, surely God is among us. I didn't even know he wanted to do something, but then you can begin to pay attention to, to what he wants to say. So, I'm, uh, so Bill Johnson says when, he, uh, when uh, the Lord wants to move in healing, he feels like a silk, a silk scarf on the back of his, um, on the back of his hand. James Maloney, when he sensed the demonic, he felt it in his right hand, and it would crawl up his arm and leave through his elbow when it, the person was delivered. I told you we're going weird today. <clears throat> Randy Clark, when he plays for healing, he feels a fire on the back of his neck. So your body will react to the increased manifest presence of God around you. 
Why does God manifest it a certain way? I don't know. I don't know. I just want to make sure I recognize it when it's happening, all right? Um, one of the problems with hearing God is we can be influenced by outward appearance. We can take him through our natural senses and try to pretend like that's God speaking to us spiritually. So um, I remember James Maloney had just come and spoken at our church, and he did something on deliverance and demons, and it was a wild weekend. I just looked, he's got 26,000 views on, our, um, on, on YouTube. I just saw it yesterday. So Maloney, uh, so he taught on this thing, and one of the things he says is you can begin to, um, uh, you can recognize different demons by their smell. And I'm like, what on earth? And so he was talking about like a certain demon smell, like cat urine and all this stuff. And that's the only one I remembered. <clears throat> so like literally the next week, <clears throat> there's this new person in our church and they come into my office to meet with me and, um, and they smell like cat urine. And I'm like, oh my word. This person is so demonized, like, I'm, I'm, like my senses are waking up. Like, they're, they're so demonized, I can smell the cat urine. So I don't even hear what they're saying. In my mind, I'm silently rebuking everything. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not letting any of these, you know, demon juju get on me. And so I'm not even listening to what they're saying. I just, the whole time, I'm just like in the opposite spirit, just, you know. And so, um, so the person leaves, I literally didn't hear anything that they had to say. And so I'm like, Mary, you would not believe it. This person was so demonized. All I could smell was cat urine. Whole office stunk like cat urine. And so, and, oh, and, they, and they left their umbrella in my office. And so, like, uh, a couple days later, I get a call in the office, and um, <laughs> the message was, hey, I left my um, umbrella in your office, and in, um, I don't have a sense of smell, and the neighbor told me that their cat had peed on my umbrella. And so I apologize if there was any smell. <laughs> I had judged this person. I had rebuked this person. I had talked about this person to my wife and warned her about this person, but it was all through the natural senses and not through spiritual discernment. How are we doing? All right. I'm going to close with this story. <clears throat> so in sixth grade, I went to wilderness camp. Can you imagine me at wilderness camp? You know where wilderness camp is? It's outdoors. I hate the outdoors. So we're, um, I'm at wilderness camp. We're, you know, shooting bow and arrows. We're shooting, you know, going fishing, throwing hatchets, doing all sorts of stuff. And... Um, I was the champ of the uh, tetherball. But what, that's another story. And so um, one of the things we had to do was learn how to shoot a shotgun. So I'm, I had never shot a shotgun before. And so, and so they're going to do the clay pigeons. And so they're giving instruction. And so you may find this hard to believe, but in sixth grade, I was a bit of a ham. And so I'm kind of I'm joking around my friends, not really listening, kind of making sarcastic comments while the guy's talking, trying to make my friends laugh. I know it's hard to believe. And so, um, so I'm not paying attention to anything that the instructor is saying. And all of a sudden, he wheels around and says, you! Come up and show us how it's done. He points to me. I hadn't heard anything that he had talked about. And so uh, if you know anything about a shotgun, it's got quite a kick to it. So this was a 12-gauge shotgun, which has quite a kick to it, especially when you're sixth grade, you know, about 80 pounds of solid muscle, right? And so, and so, um, so I get the gun, and you're supposed to put it kind of in the butt of your shoulder. So when it shoots, your body, your shoulder kind of absorbs it. So I wasn't paying attention, and so I put the um, shotgun underneath my armpit, like between my side and like my arm right here. Pull! <laughs> so I pull, and I, uh, I, I shoot the shotgun, and the gun goes uh, sailing through my arm and rips open my flesh. And so it cuts open my arm, and it knocks me on my back. So I'm, <laughs> I'm there laying on, my, on the ground, bleeding from my arm, my sides bruised up, I'm kind of stunned, and all my friends are laughing at me. And you know what? I wish I had paid attention, okay? Right now, you are sowing seeds for your next breakthrough or your next disappointment. 
And the Holy Spirit is hoping, the people that you are called to reach are hoping, your family is hoping that you will pay attention. Because pay attention to what you hear. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. The value that you place on God speaking is the measure that you will hear. Amen. You guys good? All right, let's stand for closing prayer here. Well, we just pray for a grace this week to begin putting these things into practice and to hear you speak in fresh ways, to have a new hunger for uh, familiar ways. And for people in here who feel like God's not speaking to them, I just pray that, Lord, you just would really push past their defenses. Let them see how easy it is. So Lord, we break off any disappointments, so we break off any fear of getting it wrong. And Lord, we just go on an adventure with you this week to hear you speak. So we just, just pray this prayer with me. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Thank you, Lord. We want to hear you speak in fresh ways this week. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, our ministry teams will be coming forward. The ones with tags on, if you'd like some extra prayer, we'll